basketball is hood. It's time for the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast with Jonathan Hood. You love basketball, you've come to the right place. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings. I am Jay Hood, and basketball is hood. Yes, the second half of the NBA season's right around the corner. There's plenty of college basketball to bet as well, and you could do it all at DraftKings. Go to DraftKings.com or download the DraftKings app. Use the promo code WMVP. When you do, but DraftKings is good to this podcast, and I want you to be good to them. DraftKings, it's the one-day leader in fantasy sports, and for basketball, <laughs> they're hooking up a brother every single day. College and pro, it's a spot for you to go. Hey, second half of the season, got to call somebody to talk about the Bulls, talk about what's happening in the West with the Suns, got to talk to someone about the world champion Bucks. I talked to someone about Brooklyn and Philly. I talked to someone about the Lakers. Who should I call? Hmm. Looking through my Rolodex here. Some names here. Amin El Hassan. Uh, Mark Spears. Uh, Monica McNutt. Hmm. No. Tonight, I got to call my guy, Chris Bleck from Bleck and Abdallah. He loves the league like I love the league. I'll talk to him about the first half and get ready for the second half of the season right here on the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings. Well, maybe I could have called David Aldridge, though. Let's see. I and there he is, everybody. Chris Bleck from Bleck and Abdallah on ESPN 1000 as we get ready for the second half of the NBA season. Chris, thanks for joining me. Hey, Jonathan. Uh, I'm looking forward to the second half of the NBA season. We had a great All-Star weekend, and the Bulls have been the surprise of the NBA for the first half of the NBA season. So I can't wait to see what happens here in the second half. Isn't this a pleasure, by the way, for all the years you and I have done this bitching about the Bulls? Isn't this refreshing? A team at the top of the heap of the Eastern Conference, competency in the front office, Top shelf head coach in Billy Donovan. This is I don't know how often we've talked about the Bulls in you know in flowery terms, especially a team with a five game winning streak going into the break. They've had COVID issues, injury issues, but yet they still are surviving in the East. This is much better than us bitching about Boylan. Yeah, for sure, and I I think we we definitely had conversations around uh, the Derrick Rose years, but it felt like those teams had so much drama around them that you're right this team is just so refreshing to see a group that comes together plays good defense and then also the stars there's no issue between DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine it's these two individuals want to win and this group's really come together in their first season where usually stuff like this takes a lot of time and there's growing experiences that take place and it's needed but unfortunately you know for the rest of the Eastern Conference this group came together immediately, and all the pieces fit perfectly. And and when you have a guy like DeMar DeRozan, who goes about his business, his hard work, and his ability to dominate at the end of a game, I mean, it really elevates the rest of the group. And, and we've seen this team, you know, come together here in, 
in the first half and change of the NBA season. And it is super refreshing because each and every night you can turn in Bulls basketball and it's something great to watch. It's fun to watch. We have admired other teams for making moves in free agency or the draft and just being a solid front office and maybe not win the championship, but we've seen organizations do a really great job of being able to put themselves in a position to win, be a perennial winner. And for the first time in a while, we can say that about the Bulls, right? That front front office says, we'll get DeMar DeRozan a winner. We will add Vucevic. We're going to um, draft Ayo DeSumo. We're going to be able to pick up Alonzo Ball and Alex Caruso. And that's a far cry from what we've seen before. Four because I'm here to tell you that if this is Garn Pax, the big splash in free agency would have been Alex Caruso, and that would be the end of that. <laughs> so, so, so I just love that the Bulls are just an attractive franchise where we can be able to watch this every night, Chris. I'm locked in every night. You know how you and I are like so on the NBA package and looking for good basketball, but we don't have to really search far for good basketball in the East. It can start in Chicago in that regard, can it not? Yeah, it really can. And, you know, it, it, it's interesting because I think in years past, when, when you get a team that's like the team that people start talking about around the league, that they're they're the fun team to watch, like it, we're always envious. And, and the Bulls are that team. You know, you see national NBA writers checking in and and consuming Bulls basketball on a nightly basis, which is something that we do. And it's cool to see others kind of suggest that, yeah, this is the fun team. This is the team that plays great defense. They've got stars in the making. And they really play together. And I think that's the thing. You know, you you pointed out the addition of of Alex Caruso and and the front office and the moves that they made in this offseason – you know, you're right. Caruso would have been the only uh, pickup by the old regime, but also they would have had him in a role that wouldn't have made any sense. Mm-hmm. They would have thought that Caruso is going to be your now leading guard, your leading uh, scoring guard. And it's like, that's not what he is. But what this group did was they brought in Caruso. They bring in Derek Jones Jr. They have Lonzo Ball. You know what DeMar DeRozan's able to do. All of these pieces could just kind of settle in to their role and everything kind of works perfectly. And, and I think that's where AK and Eversley have to get all the credit in the world is that they brought in guys who are not necessarily playing above what they can do, but they're giving you super efficient productivity, which is something that you don't always get in free agent signings or in trades. They're really maxing out the best of all of these players, but it's because they're in perfect roles to what they should be in, in a group and in a good winning atmosphere. I'm really surprised, though, at the deadline that the Bulls didn't make that move and pull that trigger for that, you know, that backup big and maybe, you know, trade an expendable Kobe White. Are you surprised at that? I mean, that's... <laughs> no, come on. Come on, you, you and I were calling it, like... Uh. The way you win in today's NBA is by having guards who can shoot from three. Uh-huh. The Bulls are – we know that the, the, the one flaw of this Bulls team is their three-point shooting from – you know, the attempts, the amount of threes that they get up in a game. They're last in the league, I believe, at 29 three attempts per game. So, so the one thing you can't sacrifice is your three-point shooting. Oh. And Kobe White in the last couple of weeks has been fantastic. I feel like once the the trade deadline passed, Kobe White's uh, confidence in himself and knowing he's going to be a part of this team 
for quite some time. It really started to elevate his game. But, like, yeah, are you kidding me? You wanted to trade Kobe White, a dynamic three-point shooting guard, for a plotting big? Come on. Now, get out of here. My, so my initial reaction to that was I said you could trade whoever you like on the Bulls. But my point is is that if you don't get – you know, I try to say this every morning and try to do this with some, some kind of analysis, some kind of perspective. I try, Chris. You know I try. What I said was is that you can trade whomever you like on this team if you want, right? But you've got to yeah. be able to replicate that production, right? If, you, if you're going to trade Kobe White say, oh, you don't need all those threes. You don't need that shot. You, you think he's always going to be a reserve guard. All right, cool. So you trade him for a plotting big. Will that plotting big be able to give you, you know, 10 to 15 points a night and hot off the bench? Where would he get his shots, you know, and so that that was my whole thing. I knew that you could be able to pick up a big on the scrap heap. That's Tristan Thompson. As long as he keeps his head on straight and just stays focused on helping his Bulls team, he'll be fine. And, and so I got no problem with him being on the team. But the idea that the Bulls would make a deal to, you know, to get rid of Kobe White or to maybe get rid of Ayodesumu, man, that's the playoffs. You need as many shooting as you can. And, and, and enough, a number of guys that can be able to handle the basketball. That's the one thing that's different about this Bulls team is that you have about three or four guys that can actually handle the rock and initiate offense that's pretty good yeah Yeah, it makes them dangerous and i I think also the the thing that uh the piece of um fitting another big into the rotation which people don't really think about is the minutes so nikola vucevic is playing uh 34 minutes per game right now uh you have tony bradley's playing 11 minutes per game so what are you looking for? Are you, you're looking to replace Tony Bradley, right? But I would say for 10 minutes a night, Tony Bradley is a okay. And, and people are concerned. Well, what, you know, you get into the playoffs, you get foul trouble, this, that, and the other, you know, the bulls have been at their best when they've had a smaller lineup out there with Vooch or without Vooch. And so if you take his 34 minutes, you're, you're only looking for a handful of minutes for someone else who's a big to play. And, and you nailed it. Uh, Tristan Thompson is exactly that type of player. He has a championship pedigree. He's been in the league for a long time. He is the perfect addition. You didn't have to give up anything but cash to get Tristan Thompson. So, like, for them to make a move by uh, giving up one of the guards or maybe even giving up a wing like uh, – uh, Troy Brown or uh, Derek Jones like none of that made any sense to me because why this team is so dynamic is because of the guard play because of the defense and then you know if you're worried about a big that's something you figure out with guys who you have on the roster I I just it's not 1996 there's not going to be banging down low I mean you know what I mean like you got to be able to play. You got to be able to shoot from three, and that's way more valuable than worrying about a backup who's only going to play eight to nine minutes a night. So no portal, huh? You didn't. You weren't for a portal trade. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, no, I, I, I was not on the uh, the Yaka Pearl trade. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So are so, you serious about that? I mean, come on. No, I was not. I was. No, I, I know you weren't. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just. I'm like, come on. You know, Kobe White's playing great ball too. You know what I mean? Listen, like, listen, he's playing great. Okay, well, listen. All I know is that Pirtle would not be able to get the the meaningful minutes or the points on this Bulls team. 
if Vucevic gets into foul trouble, I mean, again, he would not get to line share of the minutes. And and again, for perspective, let's take a look at a team like Cleveland, for instance, right? Now, that's a team that's mastered the ability to play small. You know, um, the Heat, in a lot of ways, play small. Like, Jared Allen is every bit of 6'9". I mean, he's 6'9", but he's like 6'11 with the fro, right? So, but the point is, though, is that they've been able to play small a lot and been able to flourish that way. The the league is just so different now that you don't need this back-to-the-basket big or just some guy that's going to be this rim protector on a regular basis. I mean, you'd love to have it, but that's just not the way the league is today. So, ultimately, the Bulls' strength of being able to uh, push it up in transition, utilize their guards, DeRozan with the with the mid-range, Levine with the three, and the uh, the variance in the in in this lineup here where you have Vucevic, a big that can knock down the three. You got a number of guys, even Javante Green can be able to contribute. It just, I like the diversity in this lineup. And then on this depth chart I'm looking at that tells you that, man, if the Bulls get hot in a series, look out because they do have quality players that can hurt you. Yeah. And, and I, I think that's what makes this team different than like in years past is that it seems like there are multiple options. You know, I, I've been um, suggesting for some time now, you know you know what's going to be great is we're going to be in a playoff series and Io DeSumo is going to have a game. And and he's going to do something in a game where he changes the entire outcome. And it's going to be because of his hustle. It's going to be because of his smart IQ, his basketball IQ, and his ability to, to, to make plays for teammates. Like, I know that as the season's gone along, his role has developed because guys have been out. But, like, can't you see Io having a great moment in the playoffs that helps the Bulls win a game, a key game in the playoffs? Yes. Yes, because we saw him in Illinois be unafraid, and he comes in as a guy that just looks like he's been in the league for about five, six years, right? Nothing seems to overwhelm him in the moment, and I'm waiting for like that uh, where he crashes into a wall in his freshman year. It hasn't happened yet. He just, he, I just like Billy Donovan being able to push the right buttons to give Io the confidence and the spring to be able to say, all right, Give me your best 10 or 15 minutes on the floor on both ends. And Ayo's been able to do, a, I think, a really solid job this year. Yeah, he has. I, I, I think the, the next step for him is going to be, you know, his shooting percentages are really high for a rookie, but he also doesn't shoot that much. So, like, obviously, as time um, develops, he, he's going to have to, you know, figure out a little bit more of an offensive game. But, you know, his passing ability since Lonzo has been out has really been uh, interesting. And it's also been uh, cool to see that develop from Illinois to the NBA and just completely translate, you know, like, because the one knock on IO when he was in the draft was like, he's a little bit older. He's a player that maybe not appear to be as explosive as others that were coming into the NBA. And sometimes guys like him get overlooked um, when really you just want smart basketball players out there uh, with your team, and, and that's exactly what he is. So I thought you asked a couple weeks ago a really salient question, a fun question about whether or not the Bulls are a try-hard team or a legit contender. Is that how you phrased it? Um, well, yeah, kind of. It was, it was one of those things where, you know, we we come up with, talking points every single day you do it i do it we all do it who work in radio or talk tv you know you you have to talk about something 
And, you know, sometimes uh, the best talking point is just how you feel. And so, like, I wasn't trying to make some grandiose statement about the Bulls. It's just they played a game where DeRozan went off in the fourth quarter, and basically the Bulls only won that game because of a little hustle, but mainly because DeMar DeRozan was just unbelievable in the fourth quarter. I think he had, like, 40 points. Um, And if I remember correctly, I think it was after the Spurs game. Um, I could be wrong about that. But so, like, the next day... You know, I'm thinking of like, you know, what do we say? You know, what what are we going to talk about today? And like, you know, it's awesome when we have, um, and I'm sure you feel too, when you have a great topic that you know is going to spark the phone lines and, and you know that the moment you get into it, there's a lot of meat on the bone and a lot of conversation that could be had. And I, I looked at, at Adam and I, I just said like, you know, we, we could say a lot of different things about this team. But, like, watching last night's game and the way they won that game, they just feel like a tryhard team. Like, I'm not saying that that's who they are for this year and that they can't be more or they can't do something else. But, you know, without Zach and without Lonzo and without Caruso, it just felt very, um, you know, scotch tape holding everything together and DeMar DeRozan, like, hitting buckets at the very end of the game. It just felt... Like, this season and all the injuries is pointing us to this idea that really, uh, they're really not going to accomplish a whole lot this year. And because of the injuries, it's going to be just, hey, this team busts their ass every single night. And it's fun to watch, but there's really not going to be anything at the end of the, 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 end of the road for this season. Does that make sense? Yeah, I understand. But here's how I took it. I took it as you looking at this team similar to Tom Thibodeau's teams because the Thibodeau's teams are were, were the try-hard teams. Those are teams that dealt with injury with Rose, Luol Ding almost dying, run the offense through Noah at the, top, uh, at the top of the key, you know, like him bringing the ball up, Noah. It was just like he did it with like this the bench mob and just trying to figure out how to be able to put an offense together that averaged – and uh, more times than not, it's not like 95 points, but still was getting it done, right? Because they got it done on the yeah. defensive end. Yeah. So that's how I took it. And, like, if you put this this team against your best Thibodeau team, this Bulls team with Billy Don would beat the shit out of the other team. It would. It would just – it would, they would decimate Derek, Luol, Noah. What are we looking at? Who's the guard there in that on that team that didn't play very well? Often? They started Keith Bogans. Keith Bogans but he didn't play much, right? It was yeah. like CJ Watson or Nate Robinson. Yeah. Uh, those guys. No, I yeah. think I think I think this team would be is more talented. So to me, it, it's what you know. It is like you you and I both know what this is. We know that this is a team that's relevant. We know this team is playing well in the Eastern Conference, and the Bulls have went from a bad team to a tough out. That's what they've become, right? I mean, that's yeah. what they are because – and here's the separation. The separation from the Bulls and everybody else is the Heat are very good, well-coached, and just strong defensively. It's the it's Philly now with Harden and, and a healthy Embiid. If you're a Philly, you want Embiid to stay healthy in the playoffs. It's it's the world champs. It's the Bucks and with Giannis, and it's the Nets, whatever that's going to be when Durant comes back. Uh, working with Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving. And so there's a difference between a solid team, a, a quality team, a fun, a fun team to watch, tough out in the playoffs, and star-studded teams. 
So, yeah. the, so yeah. that I mean, ultimately, that's what. It, and it's not to set aside the Bulls as if they're not really a contender. No, they're in the mix, but we know that they need more seasoning to be able to get to the world to get to the finals, and they need to be able to have even more star power than those other teams we just mentioned. Yeah, and and you know, like, and that's why I wanted to kind of clarify how I came to the thought because it wasn't as if I was sitting there and I'm like. I'm going to declare them a try-hard team, and that's going to be my take today. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it was just, when you watch a team throughout a season, sometimes you feel something different than you did the day before, and it just was a feeling that I had after that game. And you're right. The, when you compare them to the Thibodeau teams, that's how the Thibodeau teams got over. Now, now this team, I think, can accomplish more. Um, but I, I think, you know... The way the way the conversation happened, it was just a natural conversation. It wasn't. Um, we didn't have the conversation thinking that then you guys would talk about it in the morning the next day, or there would be something else uh, the following day. It's it's just I just felt after watching that game that like this Demar stuff that he's doing, like it's unreal, and I don't think that that's going to hold up in a playoff series. The way it is, like I don't think Demar is going to be scoring forty points a night against the Milwaukee Bucks in the second round, mm-hmm. um, and I also don't think some of these guys who are chipping in off the bench are going to play as well as they are right now in a playoff series, and that's why it just feels very flimsy, very tryhardish in the moment. Um, but I don't think that that's their final destination. I think they'll be healthy for the playoffs. They're going to be a second round team, and. Where they go in the second round or beyond is up to Zach Levine. You know, for all those who, who want to uh, yell that he is a superstar, he's going to have an opportunity in the, in this playoff run to prove if he's worthy of that conversation. Because if he can get the Bulls to the conference finals, take down Brooklyn, take down the defending champs and the Bucks, or maybe even Philly, you know, like then you can start talking about him as being an elite superstar in the league and not just a guy who's a nice all-star. You know, so and, and I, I want to make sure it's clear on my end that when you said that and we talked about it on Cap and J-Hood the next day, the, you know, the, the connotation of try hard is not a negative. It's a max effort team. Like you've got to oh, yeah. do, like you got to do more, a lot of things right on both ends to win games. I, I'm trying to come up with another NBA comparison. Maybe the, like the, uh, the Zebo Grindhouse Grizzly teams that that yeah. won fifty plus games, where it's like, man, they have to do a lot of things right. They already have enough offense with Gasol and Randolph. Like they, they got good players, but they had to get it done on the defensive end. They were squeaking out wins, and they became a juggernaut on that. And I don't know if anyone else in the NBA is like that, where it's got to be, you know, you're trying to grind out wins. I just think that for this team, you could see. Uh, pretty clearly, Chris, that there's so much talent and it's free flowing yeah. talent where it's like they're not grinding out victories. They're beating teams. And and what resonates with me the most in the first half of the Bulls is look at the teams that they have beaten, West Coast and East Coast. Both conferences, quality regular season wins. Now again, that may not mean anything in the playoffs, but at least when you're on when you're playing these teams, uh upper echelon playoff teams and you're beating them uh, that's that says a lot that you've taken uh, uh, more than a few steps forward as a as a basketball team. There is one thing that concerns me in games that they've played against the top three teams in the East and the West. 
The Bulls are one and nine, and six of those games they've been blown out in. So, you know, I know that we could like really get into a lot of those games. Some of them they were missing key players. But then again, on the other side, some of the teams that beat them were missing key players. Um, I, I think they are good. They're damn good. I just, I would say I would be hesitant in like, crowning them or, or, or assuming that they could make a finals run until we start to see them beat the very best teams in the league. That's fair. That's good. That's good. It's completely fair. But that, the difference is, well, I mean, we got we can crown them Central Division champions, right? You got your Central Division uh, pennant. You got your little flag. Uh, no, that goes. That's going north. That's that's going to be north. <laughs> wait, wait. I mean, listen. I I know that the the Bucks are two and a half games behind the Bulls right now. But yeah. You you would take Milwaukee in a playoff series straight up, wouldn't you? Oh, of course. I mean, it's Giannis. So, I mean, yeah. that's and, – and, and that's the separation right there, right? Any Bulls fan listening to this podcast is like, oh, why why can't they beat them? Why? Well, you know what? Pr- prove everybody wrong. Prove people wrong if you're the Bulls, yeah. right? That That's all it is. And the Bulls can outshoot a number of teams in the regular season. When the when the rotations get tighter, you want the Bulls to be able to be that team to upset someone. See, to, to me, if they take on the, the Bucks or the Nets, even the Heat – you know, if you're beating them in the second round of playoffs, that's an upset because those yeah. teams have superstar talent. I think the Bulls have star talent that's ascending in the right direction. So, you know, having said that, so um, we got to mention Billy Donovan. We can't do this without talking about Billy Donovan because, you know, this is kind of like typical sports, right? If your team is winning, the coach doesn't get any credit. If your team sucks, it's all on the coach and the coaching staff, right? And so is there anything in particular – Chris, that you see from Billy Donovan, you say, man, he's pushing the right buttons or, yeah, you know what, he's the right coach for this team. Yeah, I I like the minutes that he splits up between DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine, especially in the fourth quarter. And I think one thing that I've noticed throughout the season is that the Bulls are fantastic at the start of the fourth quarter. And what that lineup usually consists of is DeMar DeRozan, Iodesumu, Derek Jones, uh, then you get like a mix of guys who are like uh, Alex Caruso and then either a Tony Bradley or then sometimes you'll get Vooch out there as well. And I, I think what is cool, uh, sometimes even a Kobe White. So basically, you've got guards who are not Zach Levine. DeMar's out there. And then sometimes you get Tony Bradley uh, out there as well in place for Vooch. And I just like the way that Donovan staggers the fourth quarter minutes and that, that lineup of DeMar DeRozan with Io and Kobe White and sometimes Alex Caruso, that lineup kills. At the start of fourth quarters, this Bulls team is coming. If they are down, they put a dent in the lead. If they are up, that's usually where the lead starts to get expanded. And, and I I like what Billy Donovan has done to this point. You you said well, you know, coaches don't get credit when the teams are are really good. They're the ones who are blamed when the team sucks. But I, I think Billy Donovan has has managed the minutes between the star players and when the shots need to be had really well. And I also think he's done a great job of building up those bench pieces that when they get into the game, they know exactly what their roles are. You know, like, think about it. Is there anyone who's out there just doing their own stuff? No. No. All, all the guys who are out there, 
when they get their minutes, they know exactly what their role is, and it's refreshing to see. And Billy Donovan is just an excellent head coach. All right, let's take a look at the Eastern Conference. I was talking to my guy House, and I was looking at Derek White and maybe Peyton Pritchard for, for maybe a trade for an expiring. Hold on, here's uh, here's Pearl Jam. I'll be right back. It's Bill Simmons. It's the ringer. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> I was talking to my guy House, and we we're trying to figure out how to flip Al Horford, you know, and for an expiring. You know, I just I don't know. I was talking well, about always for an expiring. I always. <laughs> Always for an expiring. <laughs> it's, it's his whole podcast is how to get the Celtics better and trying to make a trade for an expiring deal. It's the best. I love Simmons. It's the best, man. So this whole thing with Brown and Tatum, I'm not sure if it's going to work, but I was thinking, I was talking to my guy House, you know, and he's a Wizards fan, and just trying to figure out like how can we get John Wall, you know, because he'd be so great, you know, for an expiring. <laughs> You know, maybe two picks. Or an expiring. Yeah, just, just try to flip them for two picks. I don't know. Uh, here's Pearl Jam. Da-da-da-da. <laughs> All right. So, so um, I tell you what, Chris. Obviously, the big story in the Eastern Conference is what's happened with, with Brooklyn and with Philly. And... So, so with Ben Simmons, that's the to me that's the whole wild card out of all of this, right? It's it's touchy because you're trying to figure out the whole mental hurdles he's going through. Is he dedicated to the game? Uh, I was talking to people in the Philly and it said that he just went from the the facility to the crib and then back. He didn't do anything in the middle. He wasn't going out. He just was just kind of keeping himself insulated until a trade took place. And now he's with Brooklyn. And so how do you read all of this? Because it's so much movement. You have James Harden, who has, went, has been on two teams in 13 months, forcing his way across the league, man, to wherever he is with Philly. And now Ben Simmons. So how do you read that deal? You know, I, the the thing that I keep looking at with Brooklyn and, and that deal with Philly is, have you seen the guards that are on the Nets now? Yeah. They have Kyrie Irving, they have Seth Curry, they have Patty Mills, Cam Thomas, and they just signed Gordon Drogic. I Brooklyn has legit depth for guards. The Suns should have and, done that, by the way, with the Drogic deal. But yeah. Ahead. Yeah, for sure. And and so like you know, I how how Simmons fits in with with the Nets, I, it's all you know, icing on the cake, I I think. You know, like he he can certainly be a game changer. We've seen him be a really good player in the league, like a top 20, top 25 type of guy. So there's no doubt that he should be able to mix in with Kyrie and Kevin Durant. And then, you know, when you look at it from Philly's side, this is this is the biggest uh, win or or go bust opportunity ever, right? Like, I I think uh, James Harden and Joel Embiid have the potential to be the best combination of a big and a guard since we saw Kobe and Shaq. Now, that doesn't mean that they're going to get to that potential, right? So, you know, James Harden has been crap in two consecutive places as a teammate. He's been a complete jerk, and he's forced his way to two different teams in 18 months. So whether or not he'll be happy in Philadelphia and actually be in shape and and go after it and and be the James Harden player that we saw win an MVP, I I think that's a question mark. But, you know, for the 76ers, 
they have a legitimate one-two punch now. And so there's no excuse not to get to the finals. Uh, I, I just think I like the deal much better from Brooklyn than, than I do Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Well, well, from, from Philly's standpoint with Embiid, Yes, to me, MVP is a leader in the clubhouse right now as the MVP because he's just been healthy, Chris. I mean, I know it's strange to say, but he's so robotic, right? He's not the fluid big that you get today like a Giannis, but he <laughs> finds his way to get to the basket and he gives you fall away threes and he's just doing everything. He feels good, you could tell, because of how uh, how healthy he is. But I, I'm the first to call it, man. I'm the first to call it. I'm, I believe... I believe that working with Harden is going to want make Embiid leave Philly. I think after all of trust the process and all the the, the losing and everything else, I think that Harden is just one of those guys. He's he's that girl that you think is good at first, but then she's just bad to be around, and you just have to get out of that relationship. And I think that look across the country, like he's moved all Harden's moved all over the place, and I think that even the right personality of of Embiid, I think that. We're going to see the beginning of the end of Embiid wanting to be in Philly as long as Harden's there because Harden's got his guy now. He, he, he's he got his GM that he worked with with Houston with Daryl Morey, and I think that Embiid's going to lose out in that relationship that I think he's going to leave. I really do. Well, I mean, if only we could be so lucky to, to find uh, someone who, who lusts after James Harden the way Daryl Morey does. Oh, well, my God. Our wives don't even do that for us. No, no. Jeez. I mean, are you kidding me? Like, uh, it's just incredible. And you're right. I mean, Embiid's the one that he should dictate what goes on. But, you know, eventually there's going to be a problem there. And he probably will be the one that leaves. That's fine. I'll take Joel Embiid. You you don't like the Philly roster outside of of uh, Harden and Embiid. You don't think that like a Maxi or a Harris can be able to fit what they do. I do. I I just think um, I feel as if the subtraction of James Harden on the Nets roster and then the addition of Seth Curry and then Drogic, I think it's a better fit for what Brooklyn has. But Philadelphia, yeah, I certainly do like Maxi. Um, I, I think, you know, when you get a healthy Matisse Thibel, he is a defensive uh, game changer. He is fantastic. I, I think there's a lot of good uh, pieces uh, for the 76ers. I mean, I would, I would even say Tobias Harris, even though people think he's overrated, he has some good ball left in him as well. And, and so, like, they're definitely a dangerous team. I just think like, I think it's flimsy to put like all your hope into James Harden figuring it out when clearly he doesn't seem to be someone that gets along with other players the way that you would hope for a star to get along with other guys. And what about the champs, the bucks? I've just waiting for them to get as healthy as they want to get. And then they start to send up the Eastern uh, conference radio. I mean, they've been solid so far, but what do you think about the Bucks and their chances to repeat in the East? Man, I love the Bucks. Here's the thing that I enjoy about them is like they're well aware that they're the defending champ, champs, but they're totally under the radar. Yeah. Usually a defending champ is being blown up on all the talk shows. You know, can this team repeat? Oh, they have this national TV game. They have this. Oh, there's this going on. There's this kind of drama. You know, the Bucks just show up. Giannis is playing great basketball, 29 points per game. You know, you wait for Middleton and Holiday to get healthy. Once they got healthy, they start going on a run. 
They're winning basketball games. They play great defense. They have three-point shooting. Bobby Portis is playing fantastic basketball again. Connaughton, Grayson Allen. I I really like the Milwaukee Bucks. I If I had to pick someone to be the favorite to win the East, I would still put most of my chips towards the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, see, it's so funny that you led the Bucks conversation this way, talking about how there's no controversy on the team. There is; they're not on first take. They're not on the hot talk shows. They're not. No one's giving any hot takes. They're just winning, and there's nothing to be said about them. I just think that's fascinating. That instead of doing a segment on how good they are and how they could be in the mix again to repeat, nothing said about them. They don't get a segment. Anywhere on on these t- hot TV shows, these hot take TV shows, yeah, none, none, and, and like it, it's also a location in the country that like people don't really pay a lot of attention to. So you know, it's not Los Angeles, it's not Miami, it's not the two New York teams. So like they really are flying underneath the radar in a season where they're the, the defending champs, and I think like and that's where. You know, who are the two best teams in basketball? You could make an argument that the matchup we saw last year in the finals could still be the matchup this season in the finals. And Robert Williams is just so small. You know, I was thinking about, like, Robert Williams, Luke Cornett, and, <laughs> and like, getting him for, like, John Wallen and, and expiring. I was thinking and about expiring, that. yes. Yeah. So you, you think that's, like, something they could do? I mean, it's like this the Celtics team. Robert Williams is just – he's just always hurt, just not very good, just – I don't know. I don't know, House. What do you think? <laughs> All right. I don't know, House. <laughs> let's check. Let's see what Russell has to say. Right. Right, Russell. I mean, Celtics team. I don't know, man. It just sucks. I don't know. <laughs> um, and so, and by the way, Heat fans that are listening, yes, we know that you're there. We know that you've been at, at the top of the East, and you and you scare me, and probably scare a lot of teams because they're just they're just tough, man. I mean, what, what can you say? Spolstra once again is a good team. It's a team that's going to be very difficult to beat, and because and that when they played the Bulls, I was there to see it live, Chris, at the United Center. They they just bought they just bog down on you defensively and make it very difficult for you to shoot the shot you want to, right, within your offense. They push everybody out to the perimeter. If you want to take a long three, you can, but they're going to make it very difficult for you to get to the basket, at least from the eye test. When I'm watching them on the package, that's what I see. Yeah, and, you know, their defense, their team defense is probably the only team in the East that can rival what the Bulls can do defensively when the Bulls are healthy. Um, but the key to, to what Miami does is Bam Adebayo. His his ability defensively really makes a difference. I, I would say, you know, I'll give the, the Heat credit, um, but I would also say the one thing the Bulls could argue with is if you faced Heat and Bulls in a seven-game series, I think the Bulls have the best player on the court. I think if, if you paired the two teams up, I think DeMar DeRozan's the best player in the series. And then at, at that point, I would like the Bulls' chances to beat the Heat in like a second round series. Ooh. I think that's I think that's something that they could do. I don't I don't I'm not scared of the Miami Heat at all, dude. Just the not way they, just the way they're tied together defensively, man. Like you you may be right that if you put five on five, that DeRozan might be the best player. But how many of those those mid range quality shots is he getting against their defense? There's not going to be a 40-burger against that Heat team. I'll tell you that for sure. 
Yeah, that's true. I'm I'm with you on that. Yeah, they, it, they would be lower scoring games uh, for for current modern and NBA action, but. Yeah, I, I think it'd be a good series, and I'd also say, like, I know Spolstra's, quote, the better coach, but I wouldn't think that Donovan would just get outworked by Spolstra. I, I think Donovan is a capable coach who would have the Bulls in a good position in a seven-game series against Miami. Okay, so the big story, there was a couple of big storylines coming out of the All-Star weekend, not just what happened on Saturday and Sunday, but just the stories outside of those games and those events, Chris. And one of them was Chris Paul. So Chris Paul, I don't know why the Suns allowed him to even just be on the floor at the All-Star game, knowing that he's got this bad thumb. But he he wanted to go out there. He told uh, um, Roz Gold um, on NBA, on Woody, on on ESPN Radio, says, yeah, I'm going to go out there. I just want to get one assist, right? Knowing, and she also knew that he has a bad thumb. It's the fourth time that he's had a problem with this thumb. It really is the difference, Chris, between the Suns trying to win it all and not. Chris Paul's hurt again. And it's six to eight weeks. And understand the fine print. He's out six to eight weeks and will be reevaluated within that six to eight weeks, meaning that this will go into the playoffs and we don't even know if he'll be ready when the playoffs start, right? So that that's the whole thing where it's six to eight weeks, but maybe longer for Chris Paul. And remember, uh, Chris Paul was dealing with an injury last year in the playoffs and there were questions on whether or not he'd be out uh, finals games last year. I, Yeah, I mean, it's a huge blow to, to Phoenix. I know uh, some have suggested that he should get MVP votes, uh, because not only are the Suns the best team in the league, but Chris Paul's been playing fantastic basketball for them. Uh, I would say, you know, this is an opportunity for Golden State. If they want to catch Phoenix for that number one seed without Chris Paul, the Warriors are back six and a half games. Yeah. Do you think that they can make up the six and a half games in about a 20 to 25 game stretch? Now, I think that would be really tough. Without, without, really tough. Well, not without Wiseman and, and Draymond. Yeah. I, I think that'd be super tough. Um, so Phoenix will probably be okay as the number one seed, but you're right. Without Chris Paul, I mean, think think about how the playoffs could boil down. The eighth seed could be the Lakers again. Oh, God. Right? Yeah. So you could get LeBron and AD going against the Suns with, with maybe without Chris Paul. You know, I... At that point, anything could happen. Or say, you know, the Clippers get Paul George back. That Clippers team is stacked. They just have dealt with tons of injuries. So, you know, like the the West is is crazy good. And if you're not healthy, you could certainly get bounds in a first-round series. Yeah, it's so wide open. What a bad time for the Spurs to start tanking. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> right you for the first time since we've talked nba they actually embraced the tank it's amazing right first time since like the duncan the the duncan draft right yeah yeah and and it's it's one of those situations where like how about this like they've got the playing games and you can't even scrape into the playing games no no yeah no, like like and that's you know i mean i don't know they're like San Antonio is such a unique situation because it's not like they're ever going to be a, a big free agent destination, you know. So so they have to draft, develop, and then hope that someone they draft turns into a superstar. And that's why the last 20 years with Tim Duncan there, it was just a totally different um, kind of animal is that, 
you can't just go out and bring in star talent to kind of change the way your franchise is going to go. Not in San Antonio. Uh, and by the way, that's a great prop bet that should be someplace on whether or not Golden State can make up the ground against Phoenix. I And, and by the way, the Suns will be fine. They just need to have someone to be able to initiate offense. Like They do have a number of ball handlers. Monty Williams during uh, in Cleveland was talking about this. He was cool with it. He's like, you know what? We we are up forty eight to we're forty eight and ten. We got a number of players that can hold it down, but just you, we just know that Chris Paul is the glue. Whether people like him or not, he's the guy that just is a coach on the floor. And not saying that Devin Booker can't or Aiton can't. I'm, what I'm saying is is that Paul is that guy, and and if a healthy Paul increases the chances for the Suns to win in the West. And so, but the Golden State Warriors though, with the Splash Brothers, you know, both healthy. I'm still wondering like when. Draymond will return when we'll see Wiseman because I think that's a thing as well. Wiggins is good, so I I don't I would say that they yeah they could make up ground. It doesn't mean the Suns are going away, but I can see the Warriors really trying to make ground here in the second half of the season, trying to capture that number one seed. They can get close. I, I six and a half games is a lot with you know mo- most and most teams have like twenty three to twenty five games left. Yeah, I think that would be pretty tough, and I mean. I don't foresee Phoenix just like losing ten in a row either. Like, like they have most of their players, so I, I don't think that that's a problem. Uh, I um, I think that well, first of all, the teams in the middle in the West, like Memphis, been a, has been a great story. John Morant's been a great story. Utah, Dallas, Denver, exactly where you expect. But Minnesota is going to make the playoffs. My God, man, the Timberwolves. It says a lot about the West, but it's like. To see Carl Anthony Towns, first of all, win the three-point competition, everything he's gone through with the death of his mom, COVID, yeah. everything else, and for him to be in this position right now, uh, that's that's fun for Minnesota, right? I mean, A-Rod's turned this franchise around <laughs> it's got, as they're a number seven seed at the break. Yeah, you know, and it's a fun story because it's a bunch of young players who you want to see develop who, like, this is what the team's trying to make the playoffs this is what they should look like right young guys who are up-and-coming stars anthony edwards d'angelo russell i like malik beasley i think he's a hell of a shooter yeah. and he's a good defensive player um carl anthony towns wins a three-point shootout you know he's averaging 25 or 24 a night with nine rebounds and four assists he's someone that like his talent suggests he should be better Yet he hasn't quite reached that point because he's not winning. So, you know, he, he's likely to be the next star that's on the move at some point. Uh, but, you know, I like what they're doing there with, with uh, the Timberwolves. I, I like seeing young teams have success. Lastly, I want to ask you about the Lakers because we talked about the storylines during the uh, All-Star weekend. And the other storyline was LeBron. My God, man. I mean, LeBron and, and, and how I've, I've phrased it. Uh, when I was doing Sirius XM NBA radio with Mitch Lawrence uh, over the weekend, Chris, I said it's the two faces of LeBron. It's the basketball romantic LeBron who's just happy to have the you know NBA 75 blazer on and be with all those all-time greats. You know, you're right. You tweet this out and you're so right, man. No one does it like the NBA. You know, marrying the past to the present. It's so cool. And then 
uh, LeBron just talking about how great it was just to embrace Michael Jordan because they don't see each other very often. Yeah. That's cool. And then the other side is dude on Saturday, LeBron putting himself on the Cavs roster, talking about that those you know those young Cavs, and he's like, yeah, I can see myself. You know, going back to Cleveland, keeping the door jar, saying, yeah, I can see myself going back to Cleveland. And then, you know, just dissing his own general manager and then talking about the Oklahoma City general manager, talking about how great that uh, that he is with all those draft picks, his 1000 draft picks he has in Oklahoma City and Sam Presti. Like, what is going on, man? He, he put you can't tell me that's not tampering. That dude said, yeah, I'm with the Cavs. Like, like you're not on the roster. You still got a couple of years left with the Lakers. It just shows you the master manipulator, LeBron. I mean, he's always lurking. He always is, and he's always working on the next thing because he's never happy in his current situation. So he he's laying out, you know, the Cavs, the the Sam Presti uh, comments, you know, letting the league know that when Bronny comes to the league, even though Bronny may not even be an NBA player, the team should, you know pluck him in the in the second round because he's going to decide to go play for your team if Bronny is uh, drafted by you. Listen, like it's no surprise, and, and I called it before the weekend started, that this weekend was going to be a PR spin blitz for, for LeBron James. His team is on the cusp of missing the playoffs. They're not playing well. Uh, a couple weeks ago, the Grizzlies were punking them where the Grizzlies were beating them so bad, John Morant and others were talking trash to LeBron as they were running fast breaks and dunking on them up 20 at Staples, crypto, <laughs> whatever arena. Yeah. But, but like the, the harsh reality is they are not good in today's modern NBA is passing him by, even though he can still give you the stats. His stat line is still impressive. And all the LeBron stat lovers out there want to tell you how great LeBron is because he's averaging, you know, 29 points per game and he's doing this, that, and the other. Except his game, there are so many other guys who are just as athletic as he is at this time or other teams with fresh legs ready to run. And when you have a bunch of old dudes around you like Carmelo and Russ and others, it's tough to win basketball games. And and for how the Lakers have struggled this year, he should only blame himself. It's how he wanted to put the team together. They could have had Alex Caruso for half the money, but the Lakers didn't want to, to give Caruso a contract. So Caruso signed with the Bulls, and he's been fantastic. They could have had him. They let him go. So, I, I mean, I thought it was obvious that that was going to happen this weekend, that the LeBron PR spin cycle was going to take place, and that's exactly what we got at All-Star Weekend. Yeah, it just it was that's amazing the the spin he 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 mentioned and we played it on the air like he's like yeah I like that Cavs team and he mentioned himself and I I'm still trying my head's still spinning of him saying that if whenever Bronny's gonna get drafted wherever he's gonna go I'm it's gonna be a package deal I'm like how right yeah how right and I listen and Chris you know me I'm not going to tell you where Bronny's gonna go in the draft. I can't do that. He's not even a senior yet, right? I don't yeah. like. I'm not Jay Williams that's going to tell you that he's not a draft pick. 
Who am I? I'm I'm an adult. How am I going to tell you what a a 16-year-old kid is going to do in the NBA? That's nonsense. I can tell you what I saw at Wintrust when I did the game with Cap, but but that's a high school player. I don't know what he's going to be like in the pros. I can't call that shot. That's when when hot takes get too far, where you can already say, yeah, he's a second-round pick. The F I what? Seriously? Yeah, we we don't know that. That's just that's nonsense. That's not the job. Okay? That's not you don't do that. Um I I was recoiling when I heard that. I'm like, oh, so you're telling telling me LeBron's kid's a second round pick. Okay. All right. Thanks for that. That's great analysis there. Nonetheless, um but 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 I guess the overarching point is, dude, like how how is it that you're going to go with your son no matter where he's drafted like you're going to be so it's going to be some kind of package deal so so Bronny goes to the kings you going to play in sacramento yeah you know right. you're, you're going to play because if the team's bad and and Bronny becomes good in the combine and he becomes a top 10 pick so you're going to play in detroit lebron <laughs> you know what i'm saying like you're going to play in orlando oh, seriously like right right you, know, you can't you can't you can't move heaven and earth and say yeah so um, my kids drafted oh he's not gonna play for one of these bad teams we're gonna play, he's gonna play in Cleveland well what if Cleveland's still good maybe they don't take right. Bronny you know yeah they're, they're they won't be in position if he's good yeah so for sure I mean I don't you know Cleveland's growing without Bronny so there and without LeBron and by the way I, I mentioned this too Chris like so if LeBron sees himself on the Cavs say he's on the Cavs this year. They'd still be had a hard time getting out of the second round, even though LeBron sees himself back with the Cavs on this roster. And I know one thing, it would make Kevin Love's hair even more gray if LeBron returned. Well, like, that's the thing, though. You, you can uh, applaud the, the roster, but okay. So uh, who are you sending to the Lakers for LeBron? Darius Garland and Evan Mobley? And expiring. And expiring. <laughs> you know, so, you know, like, like I personally... If I were a Cavs fan, don't you want to see this team develop into something? And like, let the LeBron days go and just let him be. He he's not he's not serious. I mean, he's not James Harden. One thing about LeBron that we do know is that he's not James Harden. He's not. He's yep. always fulfilled his contracts, and then when his contracts up, he leaves. We know that much, right? He doesn't move around yep. the league like he doesn't do that. I mean, I know people want to criticize LeBron and make him out of a bad guy. That's fine, but anytime he's with a team, he finishes out the finishes out the deal and he goes someplace else. You know, so anything else in the NBA that uh, is intriguing you? I forgot to ask people about the mailbag because this is this all came mm. together because you know we work different shifts and so I I said I'll take a half hour less sleep to talk to you so you're welcome uh well thank you thank you uh, for having me no i mean i i would say uh well yeah i would say other thoughts in the league um i am intrigued at this thing that's going on with the pelicans and zion williamson and oh God, i think yeah. that's something we need to keep our eyes on um you know cj mccollum over uh, all-star break saying that uh he didn't talk to zion at all and then Zion, I guess today, uh, it's been announced that he he contacted CJ McCollum, um, and then also the the Pelicans put out uh, season ticket holder um, email today, and it didn't promote like Zion's not a part of the promotion of it. 
Do you see this? Yeah, no, I didn't see that. No, they're they're, I heard, they're promoting just, to season ticket holders yeah. head coach Willie Green, Brandon Ingram, Giannis Velotunis, and then also CJ McCollum. No mention of Zion for next year's season tickets. Wow. Well, that's one of two things. That's an egregious mistake by the Pelicans, or they know this injury is more serious than we thought. And and by the way, and you've heard me say this before on this on this podcast. Like I respect David Griffin for the shows that we did on NBA radio. I just didn't know he'd be this bad on another opportunity to be a GM. I'm sorry. I mean, it's like there's no other way to say this, right? I mean, yeah, we, yeah. You, you know, when you host with someone, you get a chance to get kind of an insight of what's on their mind. You know, like. Yeah, so I see this team, and if I was doing it, blah, blah, blah. And then he gets another shot with the Pelicans and pretty much pretty much misled the people of New Orleans to let people know that uh, Zion did, – didn't tell people that Zion wasn't ready to start the season. Uh, the New Orleans press thought that he'd be ready, and he has not been around. And they've been very quiet about his injury and his situation. And David misled a lot of people. Um, yeah. And it's no other way to say that. I, it's very disappointing what's happening down there. Yeah, and and I I think also there there could be a the possibility of like they know that Zion doesn't want to be there, so maybe they're not promoting him because they know that at some point this off season they're going to have to trade him because he's going to want out. I, and all for a player who, when healthy, puts up. Hall of Fame level numbers as a rookie and in his second year, yet he can't stay on the basketball court, and it seems as if he he can't stay in shape to play basketball, which which is also a whole other piece of conversation. I just think that it's going to be an interesting storyline to keep our eyes on. Yeah, um, I'm hoping that he can get himself in the right shape and get healthy. Because we saw some excitement, you know, him coming out of college. And ever since then, ever since he blew out of his shoe, Chris, it has not been the same. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm glad that uh, you made some time for us. I know that you're very, very busy. And I am I sit here. No, 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 no. I just sit no, here no, no. and I just wait for your call and finally got it. So. Well, you, you sit here, you wait for my call. I sit here and I, I listen to Cap and J Hood every morning, and I say, "Wait, when, when am I going to get a call to be on on the the big morning show?" Uh when Cap's not there. Oh, all right. Well, okay. <laughs> I guess I guess uh, I'll come on with Cap. Yeah. Well, hmm. I, 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 you know, you, uh, you're, you're always welcome when I'm there. When I'm there, sure. you're always welcome. But I, I don't yeah, know about yeah. the other half of the show. But I'm, I'm. Well, it's always great when you are able to uh, to join me. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, uh, I mean, remember the old night show? Like, like you'd call call in, Chris yeah. would you. You I mean you just call in on the show? Like, it was wide yeah. open, but well, you know, cap. You know, I don't think I would get through if I if I just called like that today. You wouldn't last long. <laughs> I, I don't even control the phones. So I'm just telling you. That's what he would tell you. Yeah. I'm just telling you. No, I, oh, I'm. Uh, I've heard. Oh, you've heard. Okay. Well, okay. Well, that's, that's fine. Well, you can, um, if you want to hear Chris, not, not on Cap and J Hood, of course, because that's right, right. not allowed, but, uh, but, uh, Black and Abdallah, 
uh, from 6 to 8 p.m. Central Time on ESPN 1000 and download the ESPN Chicago app. And, of course, I work with David Kaplan, 7 to 10 a.m. on ESPN 1000. Of course, this Under the Hood Basketball Podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. Go to DraftKings.com or download the DraftKings app and use the promo code WMVP. Now, I will tell you, Chris, we're not going to spoil anything, but somewhere down the line, I think you and I will be talking more basketball at some point. Correct? Mm -hmm. Maybe some Bulls basketball, right? Maybe some Bulls basketball. Maybe some NBA basketball. Maybe the good old times. Like, you're not going to talk to Cap anytime soon, but maybe you and I, <laughs> you, and, you and I can be able to to chop it up and have some uh, huh. conversation. Huh. I've heard, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe uh, that's uh, some foreshadowing there. Hmm. Huh. Yeah. And talk Looking about some, to it. some expiring deals. That's an expiring deal, of course. For Chris Bleck, this is Jonathan Hood saying goodbye to the Bleck and Abdallah audience on the podcast, saying goodbye to the Cap and Jay Hood audience on the podcast, and of course the other Hood basketball podcast audience. Thanks so much, and thanks for listening to our show as we review the first half. Can't wait for the second half of the season right here on the other Hood basketball podcast brought to you by DraftKings. So long, everybody. I'm just telling you. Uh, he's still there. <laughs> <laughs>